Chapter 5 of The Little Foresters A Story of Field and Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. The Little Foresters A Story of Field and Woods by Clarence Hawkes. Chapter 5 Chucky's Last Breakfast. It was a warm summer morning, early in July, and the pale white streak that denotes the coming of daylight was just growing in the east. The sun would not be up for half an hour, but the birds and the squirrels were already stirring, for these little folks are very enterprising, and many of them are through breakfast when the sun comes up. Chucky was asleep, down in his hole, dreaming of sweet clover and tender new beans. It was cool and pleasant underground during these hot days, and that was why he ate breakfast very early in the morning and supper late in the evening, for he was a lazy fellow and hated to bestir himself when it was hot. Presently he woke up, and although his nest was several feet underground, and very dark, something told him that it was beginning to be light. There is a way animals have of telling certain things that they cannot hear, see, or smell. Birds and animals can foretell the coming of great storms or earthquakes, and man is often warned by them. When the miners who are digging deep down in the earth see the rats all leaving the mine, they hurry to get above the ground, for they know there is soon to be a terrible cave-in or explosion, and that the rats have scented danger. We call this instinct, but it seems like a higher intelligence that we do not possess. If any of Chucky's friends had asked him how he knew it was day and when he could not see the light, he would have grunted and said, he just knew and that was all. Chucky stretched himself, rolled about in his hole to get the cramps out of his joints and thoroughly wake himself. What a fat, sleepy woodchuck he was getting to be. How he enjoyed this living in the clover, fattening himself at the farmer's expense. As he thought of the fine row of beans he had stripped the morning before breakfast, he grinned and chuckled. How lucky he was to have discovered this deserted hole two years before, and then to have grown up in such luxury as this. He would stay here and eat beans and clover, and occasionally a turnip, as long as he lived. With these pleasant thoughts, Chucky stretched himself again, and then crawled lazily out of his hole. The sun still wanted fifteen minutes of being up, and the air was deliciously fragrant. Chucky sniffed it with keen enjoyment, first on the windward side, and then in the opposite direction. It was more difficult to discover a foe when the wind was blowing his scent away from you, but finally he decided that the coast was clear and started gaily for the bean patch. Caw, caw, cried Nimrod from far above him. It is a fine morning. 
I am going down to the river for a plunge. You had better come along and wash your greasy face. Good luck to you, replied Chucky, with a shrill whistle that rang out loud and clear on the morning air. I prefer beans to brooks. Chucky could hear Cock Robin singing in the big maple by the road, where he had built his nest this year. How pleasant the song he was singing! It must be fine to sing like that for one's self whenever one wanted. Then for a vain moment Chucky wished that he was a bird and could sing, but only for a moment. Way! he cried with a long-drawn whistle. I would much rather be a woodchuck than one can have a hole to go into when he is frightened, and he trudged on after his breakfast. But he did wash his face some as he went, for the grass was soaking wet with dew. It was great fun to bring down showers of these bright drops and smell the fragrance of the flowers as he stirred them. Soon he arrived at the bean patch and began his meal with all the zest of a boy who had done the chores and driven the cattle to pasture before breakfast. Chucky's teeth were sharp, and the pods of the new string beans were very tender, and the way he stripped the hills did him credit as a hungry woodchuck. Far away by the brook he could hear Nimrod's lusty caw, caw, and at the same time there was the tinkle of a cowbell up the road. The sun had now risen in all his glory, and his coming had been heralded by the little foresters, with song and chatter. The locust, too, was singing in the grass. It would be a warm day when he sang so early. Nimrod flew up from the brookside and perched upon an old oak in the pasture, that he might sun himself after his bath and admire the glitter of his feathers, for he was very vain. From his high perch he could see Chucky in the bean patch, and he envied him his breakfast. Then, looking over in the mowing next to the bean patch, he saw something that made him quake with fear, for there, crouching behind the wall, thunderstick in hand, was the farmer. Nimrod fairly held his breath, and his eyes grew big as he strained them to see what would happen next. The farmer peeped cautiously over the wall, but drew back quickly and raised the terrible thunderstick. Then Nimrod knew that Chucky was eating his last breakfast. He could not fly above him and warn him as he had done before, for the thunderstick would speak long before he could get there. Besides, he would put himself in range, and one crow was worth several woodchucks. But he could do one thing, so he raised his head, swelled out his breast, and sounded forth his well-known note of warning. Danger, 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 it seemed to say, and the soft morning winds wafted the sound far across the fields. Even Chucky heard it, busy as he was munching beans, and stopping, reared cautiously upon his hind legs and sniffed the air. This was the farmer's opportunity, 
a stream of fire leapt from the thunderstick, and its roar echoed over hill and valley. Chucky's hide was tough, and he carried many small pellets in it already, but the distance was short, and the farmer had aimed with care. Nimrod saw his friend give a big jump, tumble over and over in the beans, and then lie quite still. The farmer went up and poked poor Chucky with his foot. He was quite dead, so he lifted him by the hind leg and carried him away to the house. Nimrod flew slowly toward the trysting tree, calling the little foresters as he went. There upon the topmost branch of the oak he sat, silent and sad. Soon they came flocking from field and forest, bush and brake, till all were assembled. "'Good morning, Nimrod,' they cried, but the crow made no answer. When the tree had become fairly alive with fur and feathers, Nimrod cleared his throat and asked, "'Friends, are we all here?' Then a hush fell on the little company, and they looked at each other with eyes full of fear, for they all had heard the thunderstick. Then grave old Bob, the cottontail, replied from his place at the foot of the tree, No, my friend, we are not all here. All looked down at Bob and saw that Chucky's place by his side was vacant. Where is Chucky? they cried in chorus. That is the question, replied the old crow with great deliberation. Where is Chucky? Then he told in a few broken words what he had seen, and all went away into the woods to think it over, and each to grieve after his own fashion. Chucky had been a silent little fellow, but they all liked him. They had always greeted him warmly when he waddled into the morning circle and took his place at the foot of the tree. Ah, well, it was the way they all went, the way of the forest, where no creature ever dies of old age. But their children would take their places, and the world would go on just the same. End of chapter 5